and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I'm your host, Greg. This season, we are covering 1991, and this very special episode is going to be about the silence of the lambs, which is not a reference to Silence of the Lambs, but is actually a reference to Cable Guy. Is that a Cable Guy Google <laughs> reference? That is a Cable Guy reference. Not sure why I went there, but I can't. I hear the title, silence, or like I see the title, and I hear it in Jim Carrey, uh, chicken skin voice. Uh, I am Greg. Welcome to the crazy show that it is a game show. I'll be giving points to my two dudes here, Mike and Ryan, my best friends, but they'll be battling out for who is best friend of all. Usually you would hear the scoring, you'd hear like Ryan and Mark, but uh, we are. And a lot more of. Than you yeah, a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> but we are all siloed in our uh, protective caves right now. Omicron has scared me back into my house. And so I don't have the soundboard, so I'm just going to be scoring silently. I think it adds tension, really, to the competition. What do you think, Mike? What will you do when the scoreboard is silenced? <laughs> yeah, I do think it adds tension. Yeah, because yeah, we have no idea. And I think a lot of times you think you're down, then you start swinging, you start going for like the, the haymakers because yeah, you think yeah. that you need some points. And right now we, we will have no idea. Right now I probably have 12 points to Mike Zero. And we'll we don't even have, know. We'll just have gentlemanly conversations until Ryan yeah. says something like that. For funsies, I will tell you that it's currently after our Patreon show. And this is just, if you're listening to this show and you're like, am I missing out on something? Yes. Yeah. If you're not on you Patreon, are. you're missing out. You just are missing out. We're having fun over there. We're laughing. Uh, we're helping like provide some context that you're just not getting on the regular we're show. We're giving canned goods to shelters. And we're giving out points. And I gave five points to Ryan and two points to Mike. Oh, and farts. You just have to figure out why. Uh, uh, not, yeah, now I'm going to think about that instead of paying attention to your questions you throw at us. Yeah, one thing about the, the silent scoring is when the scoring is loud so everybody can hear it, you somehow don't hear your own name. Yeah. And you hear the other person's name like 10 times Echo. louder than it really is. <laughs> no, no, I want to call MIT and have them do research on this. Because yeah. the score will be at the end of the game, like or at the end of the podcast, uh, Mike 30, Ryan 30. But in my head, I heard Mike's name 30 times and my name zero. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't hear it at all. I mean, you know what it is, really? Probably is literally, it's probably because you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> so you just Because you won't shut the fuck up. Because you never stop talking. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is a huge movie. Uh, it won five Academy Awards. It was Best Picture. It had Best Actor. So it obviously is a huge footprint. What was it to us? In 1991, Mike? Oh, I was a little young in 91. I probably right. saw it a few years later, but it was one of those things where like, my aunt and uncle were watching it after they thought I went to bed and I came down and then they were just like, ah, whatever. And whatever. so I watched it. I was like eight. And <laughs> I think this is actually probably where my love of horror started. And my love of saying, wait. Yeah, yeah, we no, are all it, big fans of Wart around. If here. anybody in our real life says "wait" in a certain like low tone <laughs> yeah. of voice, we will then have to finish their <laughs> sentence for them, and it's and it gets awkward. Wart. She was a big girl, yes, sir. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Uh, yeah, no idea. Ninety one um, came to it a lot later, knowing that it's one of three movies to win those big five, like you talked about. Uh, one of the other two we covered, which is One Flew, we did yeah. last season. I don't know when we're going to get to the third one. 
Uh, we have Which to do was, the, uh, it happened one night, 1934. We have, oh, I can't so wait for the 1934 19... season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listeners, that's far away. Just so you know, that season. <laughs> I can't wait to do, like, Hot Girls of 1934, <laughs> the well, trends of 1934. The flappers. Claudette, Claudette Colbert from It Happened One Night is on the Rushmore of Hot Girls for sure. Uh, I watched it later, much later, knowing it's uh, reputation and I have always been sort of disappointed by this movie and it wasn't until this time where it sort of all came together awesome. um, I think because you know movies sort of say not just what package they are but also what shape of package they're going to be in as well mm-hmm. where like this is the type of movie I am and also here is what I am as well where I was like this is the best movie I've ever fucking seen and it's corny and it's dated and there's so much there's so many like nitpicks that I want to get into but as far as like uh, all of the genres and all of the things that this movie tries to be, uh, this is a home run in every way. Mike, do you agree that it that it has lived up to all of that? Yes, I fucking love this movie. It's 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 just a good old fashioned movie. Like it feels like we yes. don't get this kind of movie anymore, man. This I, is a, it's, it's a Hollywood movie for adults, and that seems so strange. Yeah, dude, that it really is. There almost isn't that type of like a big blockbuster movie for adults that's not tied to any other like property or anything like that despite it being in all these characters are in multiple sequels and yeah. there is a hannibal verse uh but still yeah the, the definitely the modern day like grabbed a hold of it and, and turned it into the hannibal verse but i don't know if we say this a lot on this show but like basically the perfect movie right like basically every single thing you want out of a movie yes if not the perfect i think that it's perfect in so many ways but every way that it's not we're going to get into it's interesting it, it, it adds to the interesting aspects of the movie so yeah. in that way it is a perfect movie i do think we are going to get into a lot of the the corners and a lot of as you said ryan there is some like corniness about it some cringe about it it certainly is uh what have we been calling it 1980 11 like <laughs> yeah. it's definitely like there's a strong 80s vibe running the hair it. alone in the funeral scene <laughs> some big hair some teased out hair and i love that tease mike as we go to our first segment. the silence of the lambs was the third film in academy history to win the quote big five unquote academy awards for producing directing acting and screenwriting following it happened one night in 1934 as we mentioned earlier and one flew over the cuckoo's nest in 1975 a movie that we have talked about at length but wait that's our lost episode isn't it that oh shit we, we haven't, haven't done, done it, it. Oh, that is our re- remember oh uh, you know what Greg? now that i'm thinking about it we did do it happen one night yeah our it, two so. lost oh, episodes. That, that did happen uh, you guys make sure you're saving this file all right <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do that right now <laughs> no that'll stop it that'll fuck oh sorry, up. sorry don't sorry, save sorry. in the middle of a record hannibal lecter buffalo bill clarice starling and all their sundry hijinks have a footprint in pop culture that is far bigger than the viewership of the actual movie Parodying its scenes became a staple of reference comedy for years and is still a go-to. In the movie, the FBI pairs a unique team of a raw cadet, Starling, and an imprisoned serial killer, Lecter, and set them on a task to stop another serial killer, Buffalo Bill, who is skinning women to wear as a suit. Everyone learns about themselves, faces get eaten, and one serial killer is stopped while another is freed. Gentlemen, I ask you this. Is it possible that this movie, remembered slow, solely for Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill, is actually about women and what it means to be a woman? It. I. Yes. All right. Very yeah, good. Okay, sure. Point for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the 
I think 1991 is not what I... 90s aren't subtle, right? No. We've talked about the big hair already, a lot of things. I don't think of the... But I feel like this movie and how it tackles feminism and a woman fighting her place in the FBI is way more subtle than if it came out this year. In what way? There's no, like, girl power, right? And they all wink. Is she walks into a room and guys, like, eye her up and down and then she has to roll with it. And then the most... So every scene is her navigating. I'm a young woman in this man's world and she does it in different ways. And what I love about Clarice is that she, she's not with the, the comic eater neck beards out there calling Mary Sue. She fucks up, mm-hmm. right? She fucks up a lot in different ways and gets emotional yes, and gets emotional and, and, but tries to rein it in. But she also, when she needs to deal with her shit, she does. I loved one of the most, I think I need to learn this in my own place of business. And for a young woman, in the FBI, it had to be even harder to look at Scott Glenn and say, Hey, how you treat me matters yes, because they th- will all follow your... Yes. Th- this is such a big thing because Scott Glenn thinks of himself as a hero, much like Mike thinks of himself as like a good person to women. A and- good person to women? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a point where they're in the car and Jody F- or Clarice still has the time to be like, I think you know what like I don't, i'm not sure that you knew yeah. what you did back there but like what you did like really hurt me ba- okay so basically scott glenn says uh maybe just the men should go downstairs uh and look at the body because you know clarice is here and guys watch your language because we have a gentle fragile fabergé female physically FBI very here. tiny they stage it so that she's always like very very yeah. small yeah, she's Lilliputian in this scene <laughs> of all the cops around her. And then uh, she leans back and like sh- she's like, they look at us. They look to us on how to act. When you act like that, you're not doing me any favors. Mm-hmm. You're only uh, giving them the allowance to continue to treat me second rate. And I didn't remember me any either. of this that's shit the, from like, the movie. The, that's not the part and- that gets recorded in the cultural memory of this. No, I just... Yes. <laughs> Chianti. <laughs> that's what's in the... Chianti. Man, everything is fancy about him except for the fucking New Jersey yeah. dope way he says can't. He's like, oh, you're one generation uh, uh, like removed from poor white trash. I bet you drink white wine and not can'ty. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of time to talk about Lecter, so let, let's stick with... Oh, uh, sorry. Because is it- <laughs> and Spider-Man No Way Home. Are we going to talk about that? No, too? please don't. I'll- I'm going so soon. The The... Emphasis on women, though, because that's the thing that is like so apparent in the movie that isn't remembered in the in the cultural understanding of it. And isn't there also another layer where every time men see Clarice, they size her up and they look at like mm-hmm. her skin and her flesh. And in that same way, they are sizing her up as if she's like just potentially a skin suit in the same way that Buffalo Bill is doing. Right. So don't we see that like we don't just get the the serial killer that's like mm-hmm. that's a very specific problem but we really do see that her and- ensconced in the patriarchy and like she can't even get on an elevator without four dudes like crowding around yeah. her and doing that whole looking her up and down thing who once again she's in the biggest elevator of all time around the biggest men of all time but uh, it felt like a little 2021 in that the, the way that they look at her is like the only reason you're here is like to be a token like Mm -hmm. it's to fulfill quotas and it's because the fbi brought too many men on and that's the only reason that you have your job right now and that's why i love we meet clarice like the movie starts off very like creepy and there's fog and things are going on but we meet clarice running through a ropes course alone and 
it's the the spookiest shooting throughout the movie and that the music is very ominous that you think something terrible is going to happen to her then but you realize it's sitting up like this is just how she views the world and the world views her just her being there is very spooky but it also shows her kicking ass I could do any of the stuff she does in their ribs course. She's not Captain America. She is sweating. It's, she's panting when the when the guy like stops her to talk to her and he's like a superior officer. She's still bent over. Like yeah, right. Oh, she was still what? sprinting. <laughs> but it does. It, it goes to show that no matter what you're doing, ladies, someone will stop you from ex- some dude will stop yeah. you from exercising and tell you to. What are you listening to? <laughs> and but Mike, was it too much when she took off her headphones and it was like, oh, I'll tell you what I want. What <laughs> No. Where would uh, where does Clarice fit in the pantheon of kick-ass movie women? I, I mean, I would say uh, all the way up there. Like, I think like that this Ripley, is not only. Did you guys notice? But not only delivered an entire career to Kristen Stewart. Uh, every single thing that Jodie Foster does is straight up Kristen ah, Stewart. I, like, hadn't, th- I hadn't thought that, but this, you're right. This is no. just like. Um, I can't believe that I'm here right now. Just like fingers through the hair. Um, Kristen Stewart has seen Silence of the Lambs is what I'm saying. But uh, the mixture of I'm going to solve this fucking case. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, make it okay to have emotions is I think maybe passes Ripley. You know, Ripley sort of not that. Are you guys just here to compare women? That's not what I'm here to do. It sounds like that's exactly (laughs) what you're trying to do right now. No, and yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a reductive question, but I just think that we don't have many like cool, well-rounded. Mike brought it up. Like she's not perfect, and that's what's interesting about her. She fucks up like every conversation she has with Lecter because, of course, she does. Mm. She lets him see way too much, and in the next installment of the movie or the story, their relationship like takes another crazy lot of twists and turns. And so even Mm -hmm. letting him into her life was like obviously a big mistake, but she has that quality of badassness. That's like, it's not because she's perfect that she's badass. It's that she like runs headlong into things to try to save people. Even though she's like, not maybe the most qualified, not the most prepared, not the the best able to do it. Or just like a human. She is a human. Unlike, Unlike a Harrison Ford character, one of my favorite parts of the movie is she is uh, she can only lift the garage door up a little bit. Yeah. And so she tries to get under it and cuts herself yeah. immediately. <laughs> and that's not a comment on, oh, look what happens and when a And it doesn't feel does like that thing. either. It's, yeah. it, no. it doesn't. It's like, this is a real-ass yeah, detective. Is- this is, of course, like, I run into walls <laughs> all of the time, guys. <laughs> While you're detecting, especially... I that's I think she shouldn't just be like on the mountain of badass women. I think she should be up there in like pop culture detective. She she rules, and I also think like I, I, we're all Marvel heads here, right? But the Marvelification of movies of like you got to be banter, you got to be quick. Yeah, I've this seen is all what the charisma Marvel looks movies, like. Mike, have you? No, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but you set what, your ass up for that. What I love is like she. I you would not describe Clarice Starling as charismatic, no. but she is still so watchable. Because yes. of everything else that makes her human, well, and because, we need to remember how to do, put that kind of and character. Because Jodie Foster's really good at what my wife calls face acting, right? Like she makes her face like yeah, tell yeah. the entire story in every single scene. And there's so many times where Lecter, or sorry, Greg, some other character will uh, <laughs> ask her ask her a question like Migs. Uh, <laughs> where Migs will throw something at her, and she'll be like, well, "I don't know what to do." <laughs> um, and but we see on her face. 
uh, oh, that hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm a person, so that's okay. Wait, I'm an FBI agent. I have to get control of it. Wait, I have to do all of this stuff at the same time. I could not believe this. I read that she uh, that she t- she talked to someone who worked in the FBI, and lady was like, uh, "One thing I'll do is I'll just get in my car after work and I'll cry really hard, and that yeah. like helps me like clear a lot of that out." <laughs> like, okay, cool. And so she does that in the movie, right? She just for like one moment, yeah. she just kind of weeps. Which and- boy FBI agents in real life or in the movies don't have to do that? They don't have to go to the car and the cry and cry. I Instead, they, they just beat do. the shit. They just beat the shit out of. Uh, like, uh, quote unquote, hostages that are like in rooms that they're trying to interrogate and say like, oh no, I have full control over my. I emotions. teach at a community I don't college. Need to try. And I cry like three times and a just... semester. <laughs> but my point is that boys have far less control over their emotions by not. Crying yeah, because yes, just crying your car, beat the hell out of somebody, as you're saying. Uh, yeah. L- let's dive into another part of this movie because as the movie was coming up, I, I was a, I feared the 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 relationship between this movie and trans people. But having watched the movie this time, I'm not saying it's perfect, but is that a concern? How do we feel about it? Do you know what it, it is? I, I it, It's a lot different to me having watched it than having not yeah. watched it in a long time and then reading articles yeah. about it. But here's what it is. I think that it, it, it does have some concern for trans people or it goes out of its way to make a point that Buffalo Bill is not trans. That's the part that was interesting. You know, that's the big yeah. thing. The, the, but the here's, weirdest... the, here's the issue, though. We had no representation of yeah. other tr- normal trans people at the time. If we had, if every seventh or tenth movie had a trans character in 1991, then this would have been nothing. But right. because we had yeah. one, one single representation of a trans character, and it was, oh, then they're psychopathic. That's where it becomes. And it's interesting to know that the people behind the movie, not just, I, I think you can watch the movie and be like, oh, the filmmakers care about the audience not thinking all trans folks are like this but the uh the cat who plays buffalo bill went out of his way to say what ted levine ted levine went out of his way to say i'm not trying to play trans the director and him talked about it a lot and then the movie all the times are like trans people aren't like this that almost got too much they're like no, 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 because trans people are passive yeah. and sweet, so okay, a serial that part, killer can yeah. never be trans. I was like, whoa, you guys are Did over the pendulum swing too far the other way? <laughs> yeah. They're just gentle little kittens. They're not I guess people. The, <laughs> it, it, at the end of the day, it's like it could have been worse, but also when you fit mm. it into like other trans characters at this time, like in the years before and after, what, it wasn't there often a conjunction between a trans character and some sort of like being a killer or being violent or like wasn't that a common trope in film at the time and sleepaway camp i think that's like the twist yeah, at the yeah. End. or like even in the crying game like 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 where the transness is like a secret revealed to somebody and then it like makes them um yeah. you know freak out or something it gets sprung on them so i think it goes back to what you're saying ryan which is that we just didn't have good representation and the movie feels like it doesn't want to talk about trans people but then that seems like its own statement in a way, I guess, or the way it goes out of its way to be like, no, 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 we're not talking about transsexuals here because he's right. because Buffalo Bill's not a transsexual, but he thinks he is. Yeah, I didn't quite know what to do with that either. Yeah. Hannibal, who even though he's you know our villain needs people, is the smartest person in the movie, and he says he's not transsexual because he hates himself. So he's doing like he's his stuff is so out there. We don't have a name for it. Like yeah, it's very. Then it looks like you could just say, like, well, that guy doesn't represent a group. 
because I've decided it doesn't, no matter what he's saying. Like, it's it's all very strange because Hannibal's not like, well, I went through years of therapy with him and here's all the reasons <laughs> yeah. I'm saying he's not actually trans. Um, it is weird, though, that whatever Hannibal says, of all the characters in this movie, whatever Hannibal says, I'm like, yeah, nope. okay. yeah, sure, I, okay. I'll, I'll believe that. Yeah. Unless it's how he pronounces it. That's part wine. of what is so <laughs> effective about him and that is why I am so excited to talk about Hannibal. But... In the next segment, the very First, next segment. we got to build ourselves a Rushmore, gentlemen. Mount Rushmore! Ah, uh, yes. Rushmore. We're tired of talking about Rushmore. The, the, the monument itself sucks. That's the problem, right? At the core yeah. of it, you're in South Dakota. You drive all the way out there. You can't get close enough to it where it doesn't look tiny. Just get a postcard that has a picture of it. Also... It's just a bunch of gross dudes on it. And we think that's wrong. We think that we need to get those gross dudes right off of that. We need four gross chicks. With 1991's Hot Girls. Now, we never do this. This never happens where we do the ladies first. We always like to talk about the hot gentlemen of the year and really just slaver and be gross about dudes because that doesn't bother any of us and then just be like so respectful that it actually kind of goes all the way around to where it gets offensive how respectful we're being about the hot girls the aptly named hot girls of 1991 one thing about this year that makes me feel comfortable is we were just little baby boys in 1991 so we knew who the hot girls were does that mean that we should only talk about like how hot we thought punky brewster was in this time honestly that's what i was hinting at but now to hear you say yeah, it, that's like, no but we shouldn't what, do that what if we're specifically talking about soleil moon fry from the punky brewster reboot that came out and nobody watched last year i had totally forgotten that that is like did you just make that up i did not it looks like a 30 rock level fake tv show when you watch the commercials <laughs> it looks so bad that there's no way it could be real and i have seen that commercial was it on hulu because i've seen yeah. that commercial one million times oh yeah hulu commercials You'll get to view. You'll memorize them. Ryan, in 1991, what lady caught our eye? Well, Greg, I'm going to go for a slam dunk since I get to go first. Um, Not only is this an amazingly attractive woman, but also everything that I uh, think that a strong woman represents, which is fucking buff-ass muscles. There was a person who made a movie in 1984 and then disa-fucking-peered. Yeah. And what did she do during that time? She, pull up. She worked out. She fucking did pull ups. She, she went to an insane asylum and just did pull ups for seven years straight. It's Linda yes. Hamilton. Then when she comes out, when she's like, you know what? I will come with you because you know what? I do want to live. Uh, she puts on those goddamn aviators yep. and she drives her son and her uncle brother, whatever you call Terminators <laughs> in this day and age, mm-hmm. uh, to her uh, friend's house in the desert. I haven't seen this movie in a while. But the, <laughs> you guys remember? No, the, you're right, dude. They go in. They go into the desert where the, where you the have a like, underground cache of I, weapons yeah, is. I, I, objection! You're just describing Terminator to hoodwink the host. You're not <laughs> describing why Linda Hamilton's hot in 1991. Has an objection okay. ever been uh, overruled? At, and <laughs> the other one at the same time. <laughs> That's a very good point, Mike. But Ryan, your point of Linda, Linda Hamilton, Hamilton is a 91 spot on spot on. And honestly, in kind of a, in a progressive way, you know, like she is so powerful and so masculine and so handsome 
in this role. I mean, there there's a there's a little bit of gender queerness to her character and fluidity in a way that I'm surprised we like they got away with in 1991 and then everybody responded to. Like nobody thought that she wasn't super attractive in this movie. When we eventually record this Terminator 2 Judgment Day yeah. episode of Moody, which I don't know if that'll ever happen, but when we do, it's too uh, we're powerful. Gonna, we're going to talk a lot about the transition from Arnold being a B actor heavy in the first one who then became so popular in between the two movies that they had to make him the hero and the star. They had to figure out how to do that. But also, Linda Hamilton, in between the two, in the first one, she is like, I'm a waitress. Hello. Yeah. And then became the actual action star of the movie. She's a lot like Clarice Starling. She's so young and so like soft. That's the big difference between 84 and 91 is that she like carves herself out of oak between 84 and 91. But she's such a young like naive you know fresh-faced lady in in 84 but not quite as powerful as she would be in terminator 2 or mike, then eventually dante's peak or dante's peak uh mike who do you think belongs on this mountain uh her second album came out she had far more control of it this is where i think mariah carey became mariah carey emotions came out in 91 and she graced the cover of every magazine and every radio station uh so pretty, so hot, so ballady, and really belted in a way because she suddenly was like, I have control. Here's all the influences from the last eight decades. We're not just trying to recreate the music that's going on. So hot voice, hot face, hot body. Is this what we're supposed to do on this? <laughs> you make me Mariah, sick. <laughs> so Mariah, this is, we're talking about Mariah Carey in 1991. Mariah Carey is still so beautiful. Yeah, I'm always surprised when this happens because like, I could only chart my own dissolution right Mm -hmm. like i have absolutely disintegrated and fallen apart and mariah carey looks like younger than i was well i was 10 back then so no uh, don't be a creep you're a hot 10 year old i was you know what i was keeping it pretty tight thing so i'm not denying that mariah carey's super hot but i am putting her on the maybe mother shit pile for the moment because i don't know if she does it for me specifically i don't know what do you got mariah that's what i want to say like I, mean, I don't know how are you impressing greg <laughs> we should have done hot boys first this is so weird. Yeah. got all the energy out ryan who do you think belongs on this mountain i think mariah carey at this time is cute but hot there's only one celebrity that like stinks of sex like i have to go in the next room because of how much you stink of sex god <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is the era of madonna this Damn. is oh, yeah. This is post Dick Tracy. This is post sex colon the book. Yeah. Uh, This is, she is like just saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to deal with these people like trying to cover me up and make me sing specific songs about specific things or wear these specific clothes. I'm going to be sex incarnate. If Dark Phoenix is to Jean Grey as sex is to Madonna. She just took it over and she flew like a fucking eagle in the sky in 1991. Also was in a league of their own around the, like a year later. So we had a lot of Madonnas to deal with. But I think with that's... That classic line, what if I'm trying to catch a pop fly and my bosoms fall out? Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell says, you think there's a, a person in this country who hasn't seen your bosoms? And yeah, thank you, Rosie O'Donnell, for always being there with a corker right when we need it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Madonna right on the list yeah very uh sex positive very fun people were freaking out in 91 oh yeah like they wanted her put in jail yeah 
Like you have to too sexy. Every music video they had a different thing that people were just absolutely like so bent out of shape about. She would she would do like three color videos in a row and then put the fourth one in black and white and then people were like too sexy. Why is there no color? <laughs> it reminds me of the French. Don't like it too sexy. All right, Mike, you're falling behind, buddy. Uh, hot girl, 1991. She just played a hooker of the year previously. And this year, she's like, I'm not just a hooker, male fantasy that way. I could also be every little boy's best friend as Tinkerbell. It's Julia Roberts, that glowing grin, that shaggy hair. Oh my God, Julia hot girl, Roberts. Julia Roberts. I I'm thinking, and yeah, I got her, Julia Roberts. Yes. She was so pretty in Pretty Woman. In 1988. Uh, 1990. But, and then she was Tinkerbell, but she was still like, she didn't like lose, she didn't get less attractive. And she was in Hook, and she's a very attractive Tinkerbell. We love you, Julia Roberts. All right, there's only one spot left. Let's, let's, get, a, let's get a run of maybes going, Ryan. One of the movies that kept coming up on the bracket, and you two were like, what the fuck is that movie again? I can't remember that. And then I would grab onto the bottom of my chair... And I would like move back and forth, and I would say this is career opportunities, and it was because oh, yeah. of Jennifer Connelly riding a uh, one of those like rides that you put a quarter in at like in the front of Walmart. Uh, <laughs> this is way past uh, Labyrinth and all of those movies where we're nervous that Jennifer Connelly is too young, and this is far before. Requiem for a Dream and the movies that would come after. This is when Jennifer Connelly was. Smoking hot. Yeah, the the scene of her on this electric, like horsey thing, is basically the only thing anybody knows about this movie. When Ryan it's said he, good, he had to do that. I thought he was squirming, thinking of her, and that's why he was writhing in his chair in such a way. Not that he's recreating the scene. No, I want me to be on this bracket. <laughs> in '91, I was amazing. <laughs> Each head will be Ryan doing it like an interpretation. Love it. So the, hot. The women. Uh, Mike, what do you want to put on the maybe pile? This is, I believe, the last of the high school years of Saved by the Bell. I'm saying Kelly Kapowski, man. Kelly Kapowski. So many, was... not full tube tops, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, but like yes, those midriff go. shoulders out, that hair, that smile, those jeans. That hair? The jeans. All right, that's a very strong candidate, Saved by the Bell. Ryan, do you have any other maybes? I do have one last one, Greg. And okay. how could Tim Allen, Tim Thompson, whatever his name was, come out to do his show without one pre-Baywatch Pamela Anderson? Uh-oh. But that's why to announce she wasn't big enough to be on this. She, she was, was on Home Improvement, though. I know. She was the original Home Improvement girl, and she shot to stardom directly after this and this was like a, a ton of pre-surgery like yes this was she looks very different in this show than she did like just a couple years later this was pamela anderson do you remember an era where you thought al might get a date with heidi what a no. world what a world well <laughs> heidi was played by debbie dunning damn it what was heidi 1.0's name holly pamela pamela mike do you have any more maybes Cindy crawford big model oh. Oh, Pepsi commercial came out in 92, though. Okay. She was still a big supermodel before that. Don't know why he went Canadian there. <laughs> okay, okay, then. That was like okay, your character then. from D&D. <laughs> Baywatch uh, right. came out in 1992, and that's when CJ was on that. So if we're talking about people's careers, I guess we're doing well, that. I'm, talk <laughs> I'm talking about Home Improvement, though. 
<laughs> All right, so I'm looking over my sweet list of maybes. And you know what? I'm going to go Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yes. T-A-T, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. So that, Mike, you're going to get that point. That means the mountain is Linda Hamilton, Madonna, great arms on this mountain, Julia Roberts, and Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Great. Can we do Hot Boys, though, soon? Like, Yes, we will do Hot Boys. Although we have already expended a lot of the energy that we would normally use on the Hot Boys. Because we I were bet it'll come back. About the beautiful ladies of 1991. When we come back, we are going to be talking about Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal Lecter. As mentioned earlier, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for his role as Hannibal Lecter. How did his performance work for you on this viewing? Is it hits nonstop or is it sometimes over the top? I think it's hits nonstop. There's, there's a point where, I swear to God... He walks through like a shadow in his jail cell, and his entire face changes mm-hmm. in yeah. a way in a way that only you it only could happen if you're looking at a scary person, not if you're the scary person. But the the, the person is so scary to Clarice that his face literally changes in the shadow as he walks through, and it, it it's borderline like um what's that what's Bilbo uncle. Remember when he Bilbo sees the Baggins. Frodo. Well, Bilbo Bilbo Baggins. Baggins. Yeah, Bil- when Bilbo sees the ring and like, bah. yeah, he does the bah face. Uh, that happens multiple times in this movie, and that's clearly Clarice looking at him. You know, the yeah. whole movie is from Clarice's point of view, and that's why he is so scary. It feels like when he goes over the top, it's either Clarice, Clarice's point of view or Hannibal is so smart, and Hopkins plays him in such a way that he knows I'm going to give them what they want first, and so he goes. Oh, I can't smell your cunt. And then so he sniffs in the air yes. and then s- and saying what skin cream she's wearing is yeah. somehow creepier than if he said, I too can smell it. And what perfume she normally yeah, wears she but is not occasionally wearing. And but so the fact that it does work though, that like when she's talking to Cassie Lemons, her mm-hmm. roommate, like FBI friend, yeah. she's like, Well, no, he would never do that because that would be considered rude. Like she trusts him. She she right. knows like what he thinks his manners are. But he sometimes is rude. He he says you look like a rube. When also oh, yeah. I mean, like he does everything. That's why I think the un, over the top is always it's to keep whoever he's talking to off their guard. It's uh-huh. I'm going to give you what you expect. I'm going to give you something you don't expect. I'm going to yeah. now you have new expectations. I'm going to subvert that again because everything's and, a work with him, right? Like yeah. he's constantly positioning you. He's constantly trying to keep you off balance. And so the moments where you think the moments where there you might think Anthony Hopkins is going overboard. That's Hannibal Lecter acting really weird to right. keep somebody from getting their footing correctly. In exactly. The movie. Well, what a fucking good performance. Because even after, like, he <laughs> and he, like, he controls every scenario after Meg's throws come, he calls her back just to say, This discourtesy is unspeakably ugly to me. And then yeah. he's like, What? But and it's just to keep about her that scene. Off. That, that Meg scene is, I mean, I think, like, definitely a micro of the macro of the movie like guys are just going to throw their jizz at you the, yeah, your entire yeah. life right uh but then everyone is screaming everyone in that hallway is screaming a- including him and he's like starling clarice 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 and she comes back to him like she right. hears that screaming over everybody else's screaming because hey, because there is something about him that is magnetic and right. that she cannot literally like mm-hmm. yeah pull towards him because that's the the question with Hannibal Lecter is okay. Obviously, he's not 
supernatural in any way, right? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, he's not like Jason Voorhees. Because there's one thing that Anthony Hopkins has said about his performance is that I know there's a lot of looking at the camera, but there's a couple times where uh, Hannibal Lecter does it not like in close up, but act like when you first see him, he looks like Clarice walks around the corner and she can see him and he mm. stares right down the barrel of the camera. And Anthony Hopkins said he wanted to do that because he wanted it to be like Hannibal Lecter knows everything, kind of almost hinting at the idea that like Hannibal Lecter knows he's in a movie, right? But, which I'm not thinking he actually does, but it's but the, supposed to give that air of near superhuman right. ability, right? The other thing and, too is that he's the only man who's allowed to do that. Like Jodie Foster does stare at the camera too. And we all, we often get Jodie Foster's point of view. But does she for, stare in the camera or does she stare slightly off camera? But no, she stares off camera. The often the camera is from directly from her eyes. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. when uh the camera's on somebody else, it's sort of off because yeah. we we want to be Jodie Foster. But uh all of the dudes in the movie stare sort of off into the camera, whereas Hannibal Lecter is the only person to stare directly into the camera. So yeah. this is clearly jodie foster's pov Mm -hmm. but there's one person who can almost meta break it almost sort of like crush through the director's uh instructions and be able to look into the camera and it's also because he's mind gaming her so the more influence he has over her the more her pov is getting crushed because his is influencing hers right but and when she knows that it is right, but she but she thinks that, that and then that's one of the, I think why Clarice is an awesome character is she thinks she knows what's happening but still thinks she's a step ahead when she is she, clearly yeah. not. She's I the mean, first one really to deliver at, like the uh, okay okay <laughs> Hannibal, but like man, he like maybe step back a little bit because he might get you. Because really, for this entire movie, Hannibal Lecter is like right away. He's like, I know who's doing this. I know where right. you can go to stop him, and the detective work really pales in comparison to him just slowly giving out the clues as to exactly how to solve right. this case right like they don't really so much detect as they are slowly they told by the guy play his knew. games <laughs> yeah and that's and by, like the whole way that he's treated the entire movie is not like a person who in real life is being captured and arrested right. and going to jail he's a batman villain in a real world right that's yeah. why and this movie feels crazy is because we're gonna treat him like a actual straight up hardcore Batman villain. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, we need seven more cops on this floor and do not take your eyes off him. Because he is he is supernatural in that way, in the way that people believe that he is. Right. Even though the movie yeah. does not. The amount of SWAT and cops yeah. uh that in that building. And he's like, he's making the elevator go different floors and just that is scaring them. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought that was a really good scene where they're just like, they see the elevator go to five and they're like, what the fuck? And then it goes to three and they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. We have, we're going to, we're going to stay down here. We have trained our entire lives to be, to be in this position. We have guns loaded and drawn and we are scared shitless. Like that yeah. is what the elevator scene is. So we talked about where Clarice fits into like the all time hero list. Where does he fit into the all time villain list? Oh if- boy. I think he's been watered down, and th- th- there's because he is. This movie is more serious. Like Jason and Freddie been watered down, but that's part of their shtick. Yeah, and that's built in. But his Hannibal and uh, what was the other one? The Red Dragon. Like his watered down made everybody forget how creepy and terrifying he is in this movie. Yeah, you need to do. You need to write a horror villain, and then also hire the best actor of all time. You know, like you need to do both of those things in order to do this. I I think about this a lot like Star Wars in that Star Wars reinvented every archetype 
And so instead mm-hmm. of going back before Star Wars, we just go to Darth Vader or we go to Chewbacca. Yeah. We go to Hannibal Lecter. I see where what preceded him. You know, like I see Norman Bates. Dracula to me seems like the biggest yeah. one. Okay. The refined villain. Yeah. But it is hard. Like you do have to like really squint to see what was before Hannibal Lecter because basically yeah. anything before Hannibal Lecter is blurry. Right. It's now how are you like Hannibal Lecter for every bad guy from here? And on every out? other bad guy is supernatural in some way, and he is supernatural ish, but right. he's just a dude, and he's something that exists in the world. And doesn't that make it so much Scarier. worse than any of this other stuff? Yes. yes. Like ultimately, a Dracula is not that scary because there's not a fucking Dracula. There, like, there's probably no serial killer as good and suave as Hannibal Lecter, but there's fucking serial killers, dude. There's to, a lot of them. To call Clarice on her celebration, a celebration so big that they made a cake and just let everyone know, let Clarice know, hey, I'm still, I'm in the free. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the movie fucking ends and the worst character in the movie is free and he's like, I'm about to go kill somebody well, else. Clarice. he's about to kill the worst character in the movie. But see- oh, <laughs> guys, we should talk about how every year at the end of the year, we have a biggest shithead award. Yes. Oh, it's, it's done, done, right? It's Dr. Chilton. Dr. Chilton has the award. The fir- this is the first time I've ever watched the movie and I've thought, Hannibal Lecter has brought out the dickhead in this guy. His uh-huh. work on Dr. Chilton has been to make Dr. Chilton more and more of an asshole uh. as a way of destabilizing him. I think that like in the same way that Hannibal Lecter could talk Migs into just swallowing his own tongue and dying, and in the same way that he could basically make Clarice a, a fan of his. Like, I mean, right. she really is at the end of this. Like, she's drawn to him in so many ways. And like as the story goes on, she becomes even more drawn she, to him. She's on the phone on her bed, be like twisting her hair, being like, So what are you <laughs> doing right now? Yeah, I mean Are you hanging says, out? When he asks about the dead body, she's one of the things she says is that she was exhilarated. Right. Yeah. And she admits it freely, but like there's that's weird. That's yeah. a weirdness in her. He, <laughs> that's weird. He was girl. able to bring that out. I think he did that same thing to Dr. Chilton. And well, in the same way that like the Joker made Harley Quinn crazy, mm. he makes Dr. Chilton an asshole that is basically bordering on crazy so that he's more manipulatable. There's another theory on Reddit that says that uh Ted Levine, normal guy with some issues. But you know what? I'm going to be his shrink and pick and point at stuff until yeah. he goes over the edge. That way, if I ever get arrested, I have someone. I have an out. I can like say, "Oh, I know who this is." So uh, I have I have been plotting my way out of prison by making this person go insane. And I don't remember much about the book Silence of the Lambs, but I remember a fair bit about the the sequel Hannibal, and he's like. He ne- Hannibal doesn't forget anything. He's basically a super genius. So if not supernatural, mm-hmm. he's a super genius. Um, he's also a melodramatic pitch, though, right? Is that like is the is the loving the drama of it all? That's part of him too, or yes. is that part of the work? And that's the Dracula, and that's I, I think yes, he yes. he loves that. He's just like if I'm. I think that's unsettling if you act slightly cartoonish and like his. He's he set a blast, up right. He when he kills the two cops in the in the pre elevator scene when we see it and it's like. The guy is hanging by his guts in a weird, like, supernatural... He did that in, like, 10 minutes, and it's because he's a melodramatic bitch. And he's like, this will scare... A team of SWATs coming in. I'm but one man. How can I get <laughs> under their skin? Gut this dude and hang Literally him up Literally get guts. under with their skin. <laughs> if I can compare it to our lives, it's like a, a old-school critic who says, I don't like Fast Five or, you know, the Fast series because it's too stupid. 
Mm-hmm. And then talks about Sunset Boulevard and all of the stupid shit in Sunset Boulevard. Like, this is when movies were movies. Yes. Yes. He, has this, he has this very specific way of things that should be done or the way that things should be done. But they're also melodramatic, bro. Yes. Like, they're also very extreme. He has said and then also denied that he, in part, based the voice on Catherine Hepburn. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, <laughs> right? That's that's it right there. And yes. The, 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 and then the character is also, like, uh, like so still most of the time. So he finds a way to be dramatic and totally still. Well, that part is time. just horrifying. Yes. Dude, the first time you ever see him and he's just standing there, yeah. why is standing so what scary? I don't get... A he's so still. Sit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there's another part. He's so still. He's in the and this is leading to the supernatural. He's in the. There's no lights on in his cell. Yeah. And he's in like the darkest part. But he obviously opened the drawer to give her her towel, but she still can't see him. Yes. Well, these these also, elements of of horror are something we are going to talk about very soon, Ryan. So keep sorry. it in your. I'm sorry. Keep it, keep it in, in your, your pants. podcast pants, buddy. But before then, we're going to do a little genre switching. Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies well guys thanks for agreeing to meet me in my really big office you notice how big this office is it has a I, couch in it i remember your old office that was very Small. tidy and yeah. now you have this me and mike are still in the tidy ones mike and i have a shared office yeah we share yeah. a tiny cubicle and well i needed to expand my office a little bit bigger so i could get this couch this uh painting of you as the villain from Ghostbusters 2 is amazing. Yeah, yeah I think it's tasteful. I now, like it. Why do you have a... It, I, at first, I thought you had a mirror on the ceiling, but yeah. you actually have the same couch just nailed or somehow fastened to the ceiling right above it. What's that? It's a nice couch. That's, and this this sure. hole in the wall with the sign that says, Greg's dick goes here. What is oh, that yeah. About? Don't pay any attention to okay. that. I should have taken that sign down. I'm sorry. It's the size of a bowling ball. <laughs> Well, you know, I only call you into my office when I want some movie pitches. And we've been talking so much about 1991. I thought sort of a shorthand way to come up with a really good idea for a movie is you take a movie and then you just come up with a new genre for it. Boom. It's like a completely new movie. Would you gentlemen agree? I honestly think that 2022 could only be remade 91 movies. Right, seriously, like, dude. We're it's it's that time where like nobody would notice if we just remade every '91 movie, especially, especially if you, if you switch the genre. <laughs> Good point, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mike. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Holy shit! Did you guys just harmonize? <laughs> <laughs> One good point deserves another. Uh, but as I want this to be a collaborative experience, sure. And so I'm going to tell you the movie, and then Ryan, we're going to go to you. I want you to spin the genre wheel. And we're going to add a little bit of randomness to it and figure out what genre we're going to switch these movies to. So the first movie, a movie that everybody here, I think, likes an equal amount. The Doors. Mm. (laughs) Now, we know we we know here on this podcast that Oliver Stone made two movies in 91. Yep. What a guy. One one of them is about um, arguably the worst rock band 
of all time. The other is The Doors. Hello. The other is The Doors. Bam. Suck it, JFK and Bobby's band. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't want to watch The Doors. We don't want to talk about The Doors. We want to change what genre The Doors is. What would you say now? Historical fiction? Music document, not it's documentary, but music, music biopic. Biopic. Yeah, there you go. Musical biopic. But we're gonna switch it to what, Ryan? Go to the big genre wheel. All right, here we go. Spin that wheel. And what we have, Mike, is we are pitching a spy movie. Okay. So the reason it turns out that Jim Morrison Co. are so shitty is that they are all just CIA operatives. Okay. So they're on tour in Europe, singing Whiskey Bar, whipping his dick out or whatever, because he's just read about what rock stars do. Yeah, he's trying to play the part. It it doesn't seem like he actually feels it. He just read about it and is trying to recreate that in some sort of way that is, oh, so poetic. And maybe... What a poet. I'm just going to jump in here, too. Do you think maybe... Uh, Jim Morrison could like be a master of disguise in this. Yes. It's like, played by Dana Carvey. Is he the turtliest <laughs> turtle in the turtle club? <laughs> I was thinking more like the saint, but we could also go with the, that turtle movie, that turtle movie, which famously came out like right on nine 11. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> imagine it, seeing the 9am and then you come out and you go, what? <laughs> and your world has changed forever the in two different ways. <laughs> it's Jared Leto coming out of the desert a month into the pandemic. Uh, obviously, that they, they have a, a van that they collect all into mm-hmm. to, to do their spying. That's Van Morrison. Nice. Okay. That's I like that, that point they, for Mike. Do they call it the brown-eyed girl? The name of the van? <laughs> Greg, people... Our listeners were so confused that I might get that point, and you clarified. That's yeah, Mike's I wanted point. to make sure I'm always signposting. The, their base of operations is what we now think of as Jim Morrison's grave uh, in that cemetery in Paris, but that, that's their European base. Ooh. They do all kinds of things. So they, they roll out all in motorcycles out of a mausoleum. Oh, it looks, shit, It Mike. looks boss. Oh, my gosh. Also, this is reminding me that it's been way too long since I played D&D with Mike. <laughs> he says stupid things, and I like it. <laughs> Who, what was the best spy community that had to do with the doors? Monsters Inc. That's Ew. that's where we're going here. So Van Morrison, no, I'm sorry, Jim Morrison <laughs> teams up with Sully and One-Eyed Billy Crystal, and that's how they figure shit out. And the doors are how they get into like all the kids. Shh. That's yeah. But they that's, like they target the kids of like spies from other countries, so they like sneak into the spies' that's houses. So brutal, way. dude. It's it's this a brutal a, time. It's a crazy movie. All right. Well, uh, that is obviously. I'm going to green light that. That's where I turn on this lamp that's green here. Boom. Green light. Green light. Green light. All right. Well, let's see. Let's pick another one of these movies. And we're going to just. We are going to improve it. And I'm putting that in quotation marks. We're going to improve it by switching genres. So, how about this movie did not work for people? Hudson Hawk, right? (laughs) That didn't get the job. Speak for yourself. For folks. I think probably the fact that... Now, this was kind of like a comedy spy movie, right? Or a comedy hijinks movie. And it can't be spy movie because that's already been done. We already did spy movie, right. So we're going to take it in a different direction. Ryan, would you go to the wheel and tell us what that direction will be? Mike. Yes. It is a Christmas movie. (laughs) I don't know if Bruce Willis could ever be in a Christmas movie, though, Ryan. Is this going to work out okay? (laughs) Okay, uh, he, he, nev- he never has been before, but I think that first of all, Hudson Hawk has to get home for Christmas. 
Hudson Hawk Home for the Holidays. Okay, boom, I love it. And so we all know that in Hudson Hawk, Home for the Holidays, a cat burglar has to steal Da Vinci works of art to stop world domination. Yeah. So <laughs> we all know that. Yes. What if on his way, he's just trying to get home for the holidays. Like he gets blackmailed and he has to steal the presents from Santa. For world domination. Or specific presents. From specific Santa. presents, Because yeah. some presents have been uh, filled with bombs oh, to no. go to the children of the uh, leaders of the world. And oh Hudson Hawk has Man. to cat burglar them out of there. But the I heist love... is basically on Santa, right? Yeah. I mean, Santa but, heist. But, but this, this is, is, this is trying to go near his sack. Santa... This is the Santa who's like Odinson. Santa's like, like, get the fuck away from my bag of presents, bro. Yeah. And Hudson Hawk probably can't, like, he can't reason with him because he's just like, no, nah, I got stuff to do. Also, and he's Hudson- goddamn Hudson Hawk. Like, he's incapable of basically anything. And can I just say, I know we keep saying Hudson Hawk home for the holidays, but I think that, honestly, Bruce Willis is going to be playing the guy from just Die Hard. Right. Right? Sure. John McClane. Hey. Yeah, John McClane. Yeah, gonna steal some presents from Santa. It's gonna be amazing. Right? Well, I love that. I mean, Hudson Hawk home for the holidays. It's already got a name. Uh, it's already got a great impression that the kids are doing home sweet home alone was a huge mm-hmm. hit for disney plus that we all watched and talk about constantly so this this can only be and a hit i think because we want to use a lot of the same actors right so uh, bring back richard e grant now he's santa oh he's yeah. creepy what a, santa. But what a good santa skitty british creep uh david caruso played a guy named kit kat now he's an elf named kit kat did you just watch hudson hawk what the fuck i watched it last you? night <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to prepare for this which is why i know all the stuff that i've been saying about Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I know all this stuff. Also, in, in that movie is not Danny Aiello, but the uh, the gas man from Dumb and Dumber. Who <laughs> might as well be Danny Aiello. Like, we yeah, don't know. dude. We can't tell we the can't difference. We can't get Danny Aiello, but guess what? We got the gas man <laughs> from Dumb and Dumber. How do they know I got gas? All right. <laughs> soap dish. Okay. All right. Number one problem with soap dish, genre. Ryan, what, what genre would you say soap, soap dish starts at? Oh, Greg, I am so excited to inform you that it is a demon slash demonic slash possession slash occult movie. Okay. Now, first of all, we have obviously all the movies that come out of Hollywood are are demon movies. Yes. Right. Um, they're made. Yeah. Okay. So By a bunch of child molesters. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. So uh, putting that to the side, we're going to take it even a notch above that. For soap dish, <laughs> so soap dish is already about somebody trying to take over, like fuck over somebody else's career. Yes, but now it's not like isn't it wacky hijinks to do it? She calls down to Beelzebub and his hordes. Yes, and, and gets you know demons what? involved. This this monster, this villain, must be Sally Field. How has she okay. looked so amazing for this long? It's because mm-hmm. of demonic possession, demonic obviously. Possession. obviously. Not just so, a classic beauty, but actually demonic yeah. possession. Yeah. Demons no, no, no. love keeping their hosts good looking. I think Sally Field in this movie is going to dish on the fact that all women who have been able to keep this yeah. beauty, it's because of demonic possession. Hashtag because of demonic possession, women. drinking the blood of babies. Right. Right. All that all that all that Hollywood insider that stuff. Sweet sweet adrenochrome. <laughs> Where do you think that the term bloody marys came from? Do you think it's really just tomato soup and vodka? No, it's the cold no. ass blood of babies. They're juicing babies in the back of your favorite brunch joint. <laughs> hey guys, just for a second, imagine juicing a baby. <laughs> just ringing it out, I assume. Do you think they ever ring dong ding down to hell and Beelzebub's just like, no. 
I'm so I have so much you shit know to do. I don't want to do your soap dish nonsense. Hey Sally Field, go the fuck back up there. <laughs> Handle your own problems. All right, let's take one more before we get out of here. The movie I want to remake is a joint that was so successful in its own time that I think it could only be successful now. It's called Doc Hollywood. Oh, All my right? goodness. Okay. Doc Hollywood about, you know, a big-time Hollywood doctor who gets in a little bit of trouble, has to go to a small town um, and try to try to figure out what it really means to practice medicine. Hey, it's kind of like a, a comedy, Ryan. What, 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 what genre are we going for now? It's animated musical, Greg. And right off the bat... <laughs> We're starting with uh, a little character named Michael J. the Fox, and he is a talking, walking, singing fox. Literal fox. Love it. Okay. That's always going to get a point, by the way. Just foxes in general? Just if you say, like, there's a walking, talking fox, I just go and I give that person a point. Okay, nice. He will sing a song. Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, like, I love my life as Doc Hollywood. I hope it never ends. Uh, I listen to Radiohead all the time, Amnesiac and the Benz. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that that's just the that's and, the intro song and then he gets in a car crash mike yeah, and right, he gets he in does. a car crash in small town america mike and that song is what the small how does the song go <laughs> small beans and wrecked machines small beans and wrecked machines is his introduction there yeah and it's such a classic woody harrelson shows up and he thinks he's gonna be the villain because he, he's like this lizardy toothy thing but then he's just there to help him out <laughs> just doing his best and then i i just hope in the end the fox will realize you know what hollywood can be wherever you have friends yeah oh my you god can, yeah pedophile kids and steal their blood wherever you are it doesn't just have to be in hollywood <laughs> why do why do we why do we let this person on our podcast like <laughs> he's so mm, okay I'm representing well, Hollywood. Also, the music is done by Johnny Greenwood, and then those Radiohead callouts make sense. Johnny Greenwood and the Radioheads? I love yeah. that band. <laughs> my name's Johnny Greenwood, and these are my Radioheads. We play both types of music, country and Radiohead. When we come back, it is time for one more question about Silence of the Lambs. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! One of the six horror movies to be nominated for Best Picture, and the only one to ever win, Science of the Lambs was obviously able to do genre right, at least right for the Academy. How? And, follow-up question before you even begin to answer, how scary is the movie actually? Nah. I think the recent how is that 
we have I think that we've now there's this dividing line of Hollywood movies. Like correct me if I'm wrong. I will. You know I will. Of did we come up with the set pieces first mm-hmm. and then write the movie <laughs> around it? Or did we just like make a movie? And Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie, a thriller, a suspense, a drama. It's sort of everything. But there are no it does not feel written around set pieces. No. It feels the most like organic storytelling. Here's just what happens. I know that we're supposed to have like a set piece at minute twelve, but what if we didn't? And that's just unlike every genre movie of all time. And that's what made not I hate to agree with the Oscars, but that's what the that's what made the Oscars give it best picture and also make me think that it is the best picture. Well yeah. that's I don't think this is a horror movie. I think there are some horrifying moments in a very well done, like superb cop suspense movie. But it's much closer to just it's much closer to murder by numbers or Law and Order than it is to New Nightmare. Like So you don't find you I you almost said this, but you don't find it scary? I think there's a couple of moments that hit, but no, I don't think this is a horror movie. When the lights go out at the end. When the lights go out at the end, yes. It, uh, like it, that is one of the most horrifying scenes in movie history. Also, and this, when, yeah, I think there's horror. That, that's why I think there's elements of horror here, but I don't think it is horror first. You know what was scarier for me when she goes back to see him? Yes, and uh, you, Mike, you brought this up at the the end of when we we're talking about the second question, and the way she can't see him in there, but then somehow he opens up the the like drawer, and then even though I've seen the movie like probably four times. When she when the towel was there and the drawer was open, I was like, "Do not grab that towel. He's gonna like slam the drawer closed right. on your hand or something." You yes, can't or grab your face because she had to like stare real close to yes. see what it was. And yeah, so I felt legit scared. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a horror movie, right? If there's a part that that is scary, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a horror right. movie on your hands, right? I think that it is a genre movie. I th- I do think that it I like. We're so, I mean, like, Greg, one of the movies that you probably mentioned in your six is Jaws, you know? So, like, Jaws. we do have to stretch what a horror movie means. It's just, there's this whole thing of, like... It's, what's well, scarier, this, Jaws this, or this? This is good, therefore it's not a horror movie. Yeah. And See, and I'm not saying that, because there's great horror movies, but I think this is co- closer to cop thriller than... Is, but is Jaws scary? Yeah, Jaws is scary. Is Jaws yeah, a horror movie? Jaws is a horror movie. Yeah, Jaws, like... Do you remember when Mr. Dreyfus was like, oh, I'm just going to explore this boat underwater. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. Well, that part was so scary. That was fucked up. Yeah, Get Jaws is a creature feature. Okay, so you that, so Jaws is a horror movie, but this, Mike, you say is not. This is a procedural. I don't think so. I think, it, yeah, I think procedural. That's the word I kept forgetting. Yes, I think it's closer. It's DNA is closer to that than to a horror movie. But do you think that this did ruin TV for the rest of our lives? And, like, there was this thing, like, when uh, Clarice goes and says, like, oh, your information was just a fucking uh, a puzzle for me, and I figured mm-hmm. it out. Like, did you guys roll your eyes at that? No, because like that's him again seducing her. Like, that's a really weird thing that he did. But it's not the movie being weird. But it's like it's a Hannibal. love letter. Yeah, and- it's a, it's a way of getting her to invest in him. I mean, that's almost like QAnon ish. Like, here is a puzzle <laughs> for you to solve, and then by solving the it, plan. you become invested. And it's, for, it's so many times that the people who are ripping off this, even if I didn't realize they were, where they're like, here's a little puzzle. The main character doesn't put it together till the end. And the audience is screaming the whole time. Blue, the clue is yeah. right behind you. Like, and so this, 
I am not clearly Starling smart, so I was not like, it's an anagram, motherfucker. I was just like, oh, shit, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> See, for me, those those things stood out so much is because any any story that has those sort of like anagram, go figure out this puzzle, is mm-hmm. so not character-based. It's so like, we have a million two-dimensional characters. And so, yeah, all the story has is to figure out these puzzles. But because this was so grounded and this was so much about the real person that Clarice was, when they did those like classic law and order bullshit, I don't give a fuck (laughs) puzzles, I was like, oh, that stands out because now you are leaning into the genre. You know, like Mm -hmm. you're, you're now acting like the genre instead of like defying all barriers of the genre that you already were before that. Also, aren't like it, we're in Law and Order and p- police procedurals where they slowly solve the case? Isn't it more? This one is more. They slowly solve that. They slowly solve what Hannibal Lecter is talking about, right? So, like, like she doesn't really make a big jump forward in the case by solving that anagram. No. She just figures out something more about what Hannibal Lecter is and just earning to. trust. And yeah, but like the crazy thing is though, she thinks she's earning trust, but she's actually giving trust. Yes. Like, she thinks that because everything he does is a work, so she thinks that she's slowly getting to him, but he's like... I get get that, but, like, do you think that at the end Hannibal likes Clarice? Of all the humans that he finds disgusting and edible, do you actually think that he likes Clarice? The world is a more interesting place with you in it, Clarice. I I believe that when he says that. Because I I don't think it's... But that doesn't say anything about her, right? Necessarily. Right. He just thinks... And he's not done with her. That's the truth. He's really mm. not done with her. He's just started with her. But I think that it is like a Joker Batman thing in that like, no, th- we need to keep each other alive. Like at this point, maybe he almost wants to groom her into becoming more Batman. Like, I don't I don't think it's a groom thing. I think it's I want to create the hero that will defeat me. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, well, it's I'm going to help. Not, it's not in a uh, creepy yeah, way, but like I, he's I helping mean, her I literally use that. groom, but... <laughs> I do think that uh, he thinks it's better if all of these other people are terrible and stupid, but right. you have the opportunity to actually bring me down. Do you guys give a shit about what happens in 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 Hannibal? Like for not for understanding this, but are you interested at all in what their where no, their man, relationship goes? In I've I've seen it, not like watched it in a way to talk about it podcast wise but i have seen it but i don't care this is the perfect ending this is yeah like, i don't need i'm gonna more. walk off into the sunset and just be like this i didn't know i didn't need to see ray Liotta eat his own brain right isn't doesn't that happen in hannibal yeah yeah because it, the end of the of, uh, at least the the novels is that hannibal lecter like turns her into a serial killer and oh, turns what? her into a cannibal and so it again i don't think you need that to understand this movie but i think it is interesting to be like yeah he's like he's trying to change who she is he sees Mm -hmm. a seed of he notices that she's exhilarated by dead bodies and he thinks that he can do something with that i i think why why the other movies are drawing to this movie wisely kept it so background subtext that that's in here and stayed prestige where the other ones maybe leaned into it. The books are... And I like camp, and there's place for camp, but this movie doesn't have much camp in it, and so it feels jarring when you jump into it in the sequel. Yeah, I, I, the movie, yeah, I think, is perfect exactly as it is, and I think not paying attention to anything that is either a book or a movie that is a prequel or a sequel is the best way to really enjoy this. If it's not... Mm. If it doesn't take place in this. And so at the end of this, he leaves her alive... Because he thinks that she's an interesting part yeah. of the world. Uh, and that he won't, she says he won't come back to me because he would consider that rude. <laughs> and that's her arrogance again. I do think Clarice is arrogant in, in a really interesting way. 
But she's not wrong. But he she's is going to come back to him. You, yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I think even without knowing anything that happens in the third book or movie, like I, I do think that he's going to come. He's going to pop up in her life again. He's interested in her. Yeah, you know, and it's like he's not done getting whatever he wants to get out of her. I think I don't think he likes her. He likes something about their relationship mm-hmm. together, something about the way she approaches her job. The fact well, that, that she's able to write off that he's like out in the world. She doesn't seem super the concerned mov- about that. And the movie lets us forget that for a while, yes. which I think is so <laughs> smart of the movie. Like, so it comes back because there's so much going on. Like R- R- Ryan, that scene you were talking about that is horrifying happens. Like there's so many things, other plates in the air that you forget that the actual scariest guy in the movie is just out in the world. And the fact that I, I I think it so much has to come down with like they can play, you know, yeah. and what we want as movie watchers is to play. Mm-hmm. But what FBI agents don't want is like, I don't want to play. I want to figure out what's going on, but they can make scenes together. And that's what he is sort of into yeah. as a movie watcher and character all at the same time. It's but interesting that you say they can make scenes together because they're hardly in the movie right. together. Honestly, I know, right? but like really, what else do you remember? You know, yeah, no, like, that's true. But it's like, what is it? He's only in the movie for 25 minutes and she's not always with him. So like they're in, th- I think, three scenes together, right? Right. I but mean, when, that's insane that that, that yeah. kind of stands for the whole movie in a way. When Clarice stops the fucking bullshit and says like, no, but where where is she? Or who is Buffalo Bill? That's so important. Why did she say it then? Why not two questions later? Why not two questions before? That is all that he's into, and that's mm-hmm. all that we're into. He yeah. wants to make the best movie possible. I recommend you shut the fuck oh, up. you hear that? You know exactly what that means. We are going to a speed round. Is there a better movie for all kinds of accents to do? Yes, sir. You've got, Wait. yeah, okay, you've got her, Wait. like, southern, yeah, you've got, and then you've got uh, gums, like, wart. 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 Right. And he comes from, he comes from the lowland. No, wait. And Anthony Hopkins seems to like sometimes be changing his accent to mock somebody. Oh, yeah. But then has yeah. like, because is the rest of that Baltimore or is it English person trying hard not but, to do? <laughs> I feel like it's 1930s Mid-Atlantic. Like yeah. it goes back to uh, <laughs> it could happen one night or what was the movie? Yeah, it happened one night. It happened one night. He's just like, hello, Clarice. This is how we talked in the 1930s. Totally. And, that's, and they were all over dramatic bitches in, in that era of film. <laughs> yeah, <Marvel>. seriously. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, the movie has may have given us 50% of television since then, but how does it work as a procedural? I, yeah, I, 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 I got so bummed that like this is what CBS became. Right. It. I think maybe it's not just the way anti-procedurals, but like you've been pointing out, Greg, is that they're not solving anything, so it's yeah. kind of a shitty procedural... Because it means none of our characters have that much agency because they're all just being blacklisted. Although I love the fact that they never they never showed a spotlight on this, but Scott Glenn was like, hey, Clarice, don't worry about it. We're already on our way. I'm in a CSI plane in a computer <laughs> flying over to the bad guy right now. Like he had a whole plane of computers yeah. to like tap and touch. <laughs> Man, that, that was... That was such a good scene that 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 like pretend you'd never seen it before. That's such a good fake out when they are not at the house you think they are, and now Clarice is fucked. Oh, that is good movie making. You know what's crazy is it works even if you remember that it's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. If you're like, I I think this is about to. Yeah, man, this guy can direct a movie, and he only directed like four other movies, and they're all really good. No, it's like twenty. 
Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Did Maybe you look up Ted and not Jonathan? Maybe it's because of what he's known for. There's just like three movies, but like uh, a lot of the other movies that that he's known for are also very good. Jonathan Dem, is it Ryan? How do you Demi. say his name? Say Demi, like demigod. Demi. Okay, cool. Well, he can direct a movie. Good for him. He should feel <laughs> feel very proud of himself. Is Clarissa's major flaw ambition, naivete, or a combination of the two? I don't know, man. I think that her major flaw might be, I know what people think of me, and I know they see me as ambitious, and that might be naive. I don't, that's a really good question, because her handling of Scott Glenn in the car, like we already talked about a long time ago, about like, hey, man, don't fucking talk to me like that. Mm, yeah. You know, that sort of changed the entire character. Like I, She knows how she's looked at, and she's dealing with it in such a weird way. But I think that's that's the danger of being young and smart, whether you're actually a young person or young in your career, is then you think you know everything, and that's where the ambition or arrogance comes in. Is So she is more naive than she thinks she is, because she thinks she has everybody down and doesn't. Right. Yeah. She's like, it, it's almost a scary combination to be naive and ambitious, isn't it? Like, yes. That means you're going to be running <laughs> headlong into things like she does. I mean, ultimately, she's the hero of this movie, but it was dumb to try to go take that guy on her own. Yeah, there, yeah. there's like three times in this movie where she's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I may have blown it. Well, that is the end of Speed Round. When we come back, we're going to give this movie even more awards. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter there depending on what tier you pick one dollars a month five dollars a month if you're crazy anything more than five dollars a month don't do that you can get extra content there's extra shows extra series uh behind the scenes stuff uh you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet, you should check out Shady Monk. He does all the tunes you've been listening to. He's on Bandcamp, he's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, you can probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. Awards. This movie won so many. Although the big five, as they call them, moved to the top of the show. So it's obviously. Like, it could happen to you of our generation. Yeah, dude. Or happened one night. I'm sorry. It happened one night. Or a movie that called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which no one has ever talked about. Um, but you know what? When something wins a lot of awards, you just want to go out and give it more awards, I think. Awards so beget. that's what we are going to do. Mike, what is the biggest scare in this movie? I think <gasps> there's a reason we've already talked about it a few times, and it's one of those, like, a cheaper movie would do it poorly. That towel drawer scene, man. Dude. It is... <laughs> it It's so horror fake out but it does that i think that scene is very scary all right yeah i i couldn't believe having seen the movie so many times that i still was like psychically willing her to just not grab the towel your hand might get chopped off again and that's a big test of his right i'm going to put you in a situation where i could hurt you and then i won't and then you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. with me ryan is that what scared you the most the towel drawer fake out yeah, when she comes in and she's all wet from the rain, and he's like, he's hiding deep in the back of the dark shadows of his cell. And then she stands oh, in front okay. of dripping wet, and suddenly, like, the drawer comes, like, out of nowhere, and there's a towel in it. And it's it, not. It's, 
it's like a coiled animal there sitting in the drawer. There's like a lot of tension. I uh, I forgot about Hannibal Lecter when I went to do this award. Is that weird? Yeah, I uh, forgot about Hannibal, yeah. Yeah, I just, I thought it was absolutely James Gunn. No, that's the director. Gumb. 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 G-U-M-B. Has fucking night goggles on. Yeah. And has cut the lights out, and it has his focus on Jodie Foster, and she is waving wildly behind her in the dark. Yeah. And we're like, Clarice, this is it, bro. Like, you have been such a stellar agent up to this point, but this is has to be it. And, then and he kind of just stalks her for a while, right? Yeah. He's really close to her through so much of that scene. And that's a that that's such a horror thing. That's why this movie is a horror movie, is because in a normal movie, in a in a episode of Law and Order, just fucking kill her. But he <laughs> yeah. doesn't. Because the plane with her and like the gently brushing his hand yeah. on her cheek. Oh, so creepy. That's what he loves. And yeah. she can't see anything and she can feel that. And then all of a sudden she hears the click. And then turns around and tick tick booms him. But before that, it's it's the I have night vision on you, Clarice. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna give it to Mike and the drawer thing because that's so weirdly scary. Uh, Ryan, how about Hannibal line? You wish Brian Cox did instead of Anthony Hopkins. It's Fuck hard. Off. It's hard to separate Brian Cox from Logan Roy, right? Yeah. Fuck off. But and we should I say it's because of Manhunter, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that'd be weird. <laughs> Just pick a random actor. In the uh, movie Manhunter, Brian Cox played he's Hannibal. the OG. Uh, but I really like, wow, Clarice, how the lamb stops screaming? <laughs> that that feels like something he would scream to Roman. Okay. Well, Roman, if the lamb stops screaming, I'd just slam a table. <laughs> It'd be so funny him screaming that in that Mexican bar and like drawing so much attention to himself. <laughs> no, stop looking at me. Fuck off. <laughs> Mike, what do you think it I, is? I mean, fuck off. A census yes. taker wants to try to test me. I just live with some fava beans and a nice Keontae. Fuck off. I'm going to give it to Mike for absolutely cheating by just saying fuck off. I think twice. I had to I had to set myself. Is this a stupid question, Mike? What is the pound for pound performance? When I'm going to stay true to my what I have written down instead of being one over. But you guys talk about how little scene time he's actually in. But uh. Under 25 minutes, 24 and change. A big uh, Jodie Foster movie in my house was Nell, and we watched it over and over again, and watching it as an adult, I was like, oh, and so I don't think of her as a great actress, and then watching this, I think she fucking crushes it. All we ever want is do two things at once, and she's always like, I'm tough, but I'm scared. I'm hurt, but I'm, she's not singing that song. But she's, <laughs> I'm hurt, but I'm lonely. Uh, she's She's constantly like, I'm getting to like you can see everything. What did you say? Face acting. She's constantly face yeah. and eye acting and just doing it so well. And like, I like, can you make your face do that? Like, I, it's so weird the 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 amount she gives away just by having her cheek twitch. Mm-hmm. Especially, it's what's interesting. That's an interesting companion performance to Anthony Hopkins and his stillness. Right. You see her face jump all over the place. You see, his face is is still like a shark's. But Ryan, what do you think? She thinks that she's being cool. We get to see that she's not being cool as she thinks she is being cool. Mm-hmm. And that is hard to pull off. Uh, you know what, Mike? You gave it to Jody. What? Jody Foster. Foster. Jody Foster. I will give it to Anthony Hopkins, uh, who really did recreate what a villain could be. Um, we have had a, some still villains in movie history, but this is the stillest and the chillest <laughs> and the illest. I think I, I cannot believe that he, what he was able to accomplish and 
in this case, the 25 minutes is a knock for him as opposed to against him. He became one of the most iconic mm-hmm. yeah. film villains. I read that he really less than 25 this... minutes of uh, movie time. I read that he really wanted this role to like make him popular to like all of film fans and not just like you know uh, fancy film fans. British nerds. It, yeah, it really did that. He he was either gonna if this movie didn't wasn't a success, he was gonna concentrate on the British stage. Wow. Uh, so Ryan, you were going to win that award. Ryan, what do you think about director's signature? I thought about this so much, especially because this director died recently, and I tried oh, to put no. his stuff together. I tried to put like, because he does have like a wild out there. It's it doesn't seem like uh, an auteur filmography. Uh huh. But I sort of think it is, and I sort of think that what he did was like, I'm going to be the straight white male to take on non-straight white male roles. I'm going to try to like tell the stories of people that aren't me. Yeah. And there's a ton of movies like that. And my director... Wait, what are we, are we doing director signature? Yes. Signature moment, yeah. Okay. Is the moment in the funeral parlor of, I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to like uh, anchor this movie in the fact that Jodie Foster was told to stay outside of the morgue and then we're going to cut to her POV and like all of a sudden these giants are going to be around her and we're going to we're going to like it's not just like a a girl in a dude's role like hey I'm the dude of this movie it's like no she is actually still a woman in this movie and this is what it's like to work her job yeah and so that funeral pan of all of the giant cops in the funeral parlor is my moment. All right, Mike, what do you got? Uh, mine is the, the one that stuck out because I only learned uh, while recording the show that he did like Rachel Getting Married, which is a fucking awesome movie. Dude, uh, yeah, that's such a good movie. But the, the scene that like jumped out to me and it wasn't like, oh, I noticed you, so you're bad. But I was like, that's cool as shit is in the Silence of the Lambs scene, the scene where they're actually talking about the alternate title, The Screaming of the Lambs. And every time it cuts to one of them, it just gets a little closer to their face and then a little closer and then a little closer till it's just like their eyes their eyes their eyes their eyes and i was just like man that's cool as hell i read that they were supposed to actually like film her walking or like film kind of that scene in montana so that they could flash back to it but that the actors portrayed it so vividly just talking about it that when they wrapped that filming the director was like well we're not going to montana anymore. (laughs) save some money that's dope. I'm going to give it to Ryan just because that that shot that shot made a real big impression on me, and it re- it's like that's the shot that helped to teach me what this movie was really about. It's very obvious what this movie is really about, but it's hard when culture tells you right. it's about one thing, and that shot helped break me out of like, no, this is about what it's like to be her in this world and not glossing over it in a Disney plus way where it's just like everyone accepts her for some Mm -hmm. reason. Instead, nobody, most guys don't even say anything to her. They just give her a look like you're not one of us. What are you even doing here? And I think it really, it makes it very effective. And fuck Buffalo Bill and fuck Hannibal. Like this is bad. (laughs) They are bad, but like that, those people aren't going to arc. Like this is the movie. What the movie is about is Jodie Foster. It's weird that you say that because, uh, obviously then like everyone wants to know about hannibal right and that's what that's what the hannibal industrial complex starts <laughs> uh mike what made you cringe in this movie i mean some some you're supposed to dr chilton's face going oh. from like i can help you to you're worthless to me because you won't go on a date tonight like that's supposed yes. to make you cringe clearly so uh there's a lot of that but i think it is the transsexuals are very passive 
uh, and just being like, and we're saying good things right now. That yeah, was that, <laughs> did Obama say that? Uh, well, well, yeah. uh, I need you to know. <laughs> yeah, it's like the movie. It almost felt like it had gotten clear of that, and they're like, just one last thing. <laughs> you can say some things that are true about all transsexuals ever. It's like, oh, movie. You no, it's a good thing. <laughs> they're passive. you put your foot right in the bucket. They're a monolith. Ryan, what made you cringe? It was Scott Glenn talking about what he thought transsexuals were. Just like, well, they're normally this, but this one is weird, so I don't even know what to do with it. You know, like, I'm the, I'm the head of the FBI, and I'm your boss, and I think that transsexuals are typically this. And yeah, it was, it, it's very two-dimensional. We, none of us know what to do with this, <laughs> so... I'm going to give that to both of you because I, I really think that is just like the thing that you kind of can't escape in this movie is it's not outwardly terrible, but just the whole time you're like, I'm pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but stepping off of what Mike said, Alex Chilton going down to the basement and saying, well, if you had told me that you didn't want me to go in, yes. you could have saved me some time. I could have been in my office this whole time. Like he clearly wanted to make out with yeah. her. Yeah. Like, what was his plan there? Okay, Gross just- guy. It's because if you are, and I think the movie makes this point really well, if you are an attractive young woman, every single man you interact with, that's his pri- the primary thing he's thinking about. And not that, that may- you're an FBI agent, not that you're coming to see a patient of his, not that you could get him into trouble. All you can think about is, I want to smush my face on her face. And that, that you just refuse to engage with anything else. That makes the ending very confusing because the very villainous but charming Hannibal Lecter is going to go kill the very terrible... Yeah. Alex Chilton. Uh, I don't know, man. That's why biggest shithead's an important award. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because at the end of the movie, we want the, the serial killer to go, like, myrtleize that mm-hmm. guy because we don't like who he is as a person. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably done some rancid shit. Come on. That guy's obviously yeah, a fuck. Yeah, he gets off on pants. Also, Do you big guys have hair. Recommend- <laughs> like, big hair. He had yeah. a perm almost. Do you have recommendations for me? It was 1980-11, Ryan. Come on. Everybody had a big perm. Yeah, Rickies. my recommendation is uh, I think that Jonathan Demi is that thing. Like, I don't think anybody could get under the <laughs> make us know what uh, Rachel, no, Rachel's sister was going through yes. and Rachel oh getting married gosh. or Tomathan Hanks in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, we had never, we had never seen a main character like that. So we didn't know. But my recommendation is going to be Stop Making Sense. I think the single greatest concert film of all time that Jonathan Demme also directed. Oh, damn. Which was the reason why it's the best concert movie of all time is because you really do feel like you're not only there, but you're also on stage and you're going through the things that this weird ass balding white dude who can't find a suit that fits him. He really <laughs> Seriously. Just, he, that's <laughs> too big. The one you're wearing is too you big. You don't need to he go just, to DXL, what, bro. We'll tell you what nobody else will tell you. That's big. You look goofy. Yeah. But uh, I, like that, the reason that it's because it's the best concert movie of all time is because he has the most, and uh, I know this sounds stupid, but humanity to like show how heartful this is. And Spike Lee did a really good job recently with American Utopia mm-hmm. with the same guy. But Stop Making Sense is my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, a huge, huge, huge movie, right? Like probably the A number one concert movie ever. Uh, Mike, what is your recommendation? Can you follow that? I, 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 we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go a different route. Is another movie that I think elevates procedural and uh, cop thriller is because uh, it takes a different tone with it is Zodiac. 
Uh, I think it's yeah, damn, less satisfying in that you don't get to see like the hero win, but that's kind of the point. It does its own thing and is uh, I, also clearly a major shout out to Silence of the Lambs, right? Yeah. There, there is a major basement scene in that as well, and it's it goes down in a very different way, but it really is very engrossing. Mm-hmm. But isn't the art in the looking for the person as opposed to the actual finding the person yes right like can't yeah. we just enjoy the looking can't for the person enjoy, like, i don't even need to find him honestly that's my fbi agent <laughs> <laughs> the you problem come out is, of zodiac being like i think five different people are the zodiac yeah. killer but i know it's ted cruz zodiac did not have a moth with that had a back that had a skull on it yeah that's my get better deal. branding zodiac in that poster that skull is actually a Salvador Dali picture, yeah. which is the it's like the seven women, six what? naked women. Yeah, and isn't that perfect? Because it's it's a skull made up of oh, six man, naked smart women. Fucking art design, yeah. guys. That's yeah. that's next level. When we come back, we're going to figure out who won this episode and if Silence of the Lambs has what it takes to win movie of the year. I am so excited about this, Ryan. You scored thirty-seven points, Mike. You scored 37 points. Skewered. Oh, shit. Skewered. Oh, let me tell you about our best friends. I didn't make fun well, of you, Greg, about how you well, said Well, the, uh, the tiebreaker's going to go to Ryan, who didn't make fun of the way I said scared. Oh, no. Ryan, with his 38th point, takes it. <laughs> you know what? he didn't make me feel weird about the unusual weight I said ski. Skewered. I thought I was supporting with mockery. You know what? That is That is very supporting. You're right, Mike. Okay, 38 to 38. <laughs> Once again, tied. Each of you pay me one compliment, and then I will decide who the winner is. Ryan, go first. Hey, Greg. Um, I have watched a lot of game shows in my time. Pat Sajak, Alex Trebek. Uh, Famous game shows. Wink, Martindale. <laughs> They've all hosted those game shows. But I have never seen anyone bring the class the handsomeness, and the movie knowledge. Alex Trebek couldn't bring the movie knowledge that you brought no, to the show. I don't. I think that's true. I, no, I mean, I think it was illegal to that show, right? Like, he he would he would not be able to. But like, I cannot believe what a wonderful job you did tonight. Also, Mike is fat. Mike, I am very jealous of your beard. It looks luxurious. The shape is nice and very Greg specific. It looks like you take mm. care of it, but not in a way like you don't overly take care of it. Good beard, bro. Congratulations, Mike, on your crucial win. A compliment that I believed, that I felt was genuine. Wow. And that I felt legitimately complimented by. Mike, you nearly lost it all, <sighs> and then you came back to triumph. That's what people love the show. Not in my head, how though. Do you, how do you dudes think Silence of the Lambs is going to do? Did we just perhaps watch 1991's movie of the year? Probably going to be the movie of the year. I think it might be the movie of the year. Now, we're the ones who get to decide, and we all sound pretty riled about it. Now, uh, some of us are really into Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah. Some of us are really into Barton Fink. Yeah. Some of us, Mike, are really into Adam's Family. Yeah. That's, Mike, that's your go-to movie of 91. Uh-huh. It's gonna take uh, it all down. This might be, this might be the best movie of '91. What if it's what, guys? What if the Oscars movie. had it right? Oh, I've never heard you say something so disgusting. I think sometimes they get their hands tied, like a movie that just comes yeah. out and is perfect in every way, and it's not like a matter of taste. In it's just, January, this is an objectively perfect movie. 
I don't know. I'm like, oh, sorry. What'd you say, Ryan? In January, like usually, yeah. like they all wait till December to watch oh, any yeah. movies whatsoever. This movie came out in January or February, and they were like, Damn. "Fuck, I, I think that we just have to remember this movie and then, uh, not just it award did. it, but like give it the ultimate, the the ultimate five, the thing that's only been given to two other movies before this." I think that I don't know, dude. Like this movie was, it, it has all of the things because it's uh, a perfect movie. And it's genre and mm-hmm. it's corniness, like it's whole ninety one ness we could totally yes. talk about and enjoy yeah. talking about. It's both ninety one and timeless in like to the max. It's the guy I to think we're max. done. We're like we're Let's gonna not take even a watch break other movies. This wins. Uh yeah, should we just take a break? Should we just like take a little time off, just put our feet up and try to just like soak in how good this movie was? But for Mike to watch a good movie and Greg to watch a horror movie and then be the same movie, <laughs> I think that's so important. Well, I have a good feeling about it. I still think ninety one could surprise us. Um, but I do think that there's a real good chance this is going to be the movie of the year. But let's see. We still got Terminator ahead of us. We still got what's the arty one we've got, Ryan? A uh, uh, Bright, brighter coming day. Brighter summer day. Brighter summer day. I don't so know. Who that's knows? True. I think that there's a there is still a little chance that this will not be the movie of the year, but perhaps it will be. We are going to take a short break. We're going to do some of our end of the year stuff. We're going to hit you with a couple tweeners, and we're going to pick up the 1991 season on the other side of the January 1st festivities and all the shows we do at the end of the year. But even though we're taking a little break, you should not take a break. In fact, do each and every one of us a favor. And hey, keep watching that movie. 